Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. When you get to heaven, what will be the first words out of your mouth? Now, I suspect it will be something like, thank you. That'll be what many of us will say. It's just two words. It is two syllables. Sometimes less is more because of gratitude and appreciation will be proper then in eternity when we meet our Savior. What if we do a little self-assessment time in the here and now to see how gratitude characterizes us today? Now, with that thought of how grateful you are today, may I ask you a question? Are you practicing today what you will be saying and doing throughout eternity? Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas, and I want to talk about a specific characteristic that should be our ontological reality and our behavioral expressions throughout our days, all the days of our lives. Are you characterized as a thankful person? That is a big question because I live in the same world that you live in, and sometimes because of the ubiquitous nature of technology and social media, it's so easy to consume and overconsume all the depravity that's going on in our world. And if we're not careful, we can tilt the scales from a, a grateful person to a cynical person, to a, a person of appreciation for what God has done in our lives and is doing in our lives, to a person who is struggling with fear and doubt and frustration. It is so easy to to move the needle in the wrong way. And that's why I think it's important from time to time to set aside a little time to ask a most important question that, again, should be the makeup of all of our lives, and that is gratitude. And so I'm asking you, are you characterized as a thankful person? That's, that is what I would like to talk about, talk with you about over the next few minutes, but please understand, I am not preaching to you. I am talking to you as a fellow struggler because I read the same headlines. Again, I am immersed in the same tragic world as you are, and so I have to make the same self-assessment that I trust that you will make over the next few minutes. Now, if you would like to come to our coffee shop, I would love for you to come and join us. The address is lifeovercoffee.com. We believe that any two or more Christians can get together and do life over coffee, that they can have conversations that lead to transformation. And we have millions of words, literally, in a read, watch, listen format. So for those of you that like to read, we have a whole bunch of articles for you. For those of you who prefer to watch, we have hundreds of videos that you can watch. And for those who prefer to listen, well, we have well over a thousand podcasts that you can listen to on all things pertaining to life and godliness. And those things are absolutely free to you. So come over to Life Over Coffee and enjoy them. 
I received this note from Aaron. I want to share it with you because it was so encouraging. We're talking about gratitude, and every now and then someone comes by our coffee shop and they drop a note of gratitude, and I like sharing those with the world, uh, with our community, so that you can be blessed and encouraged as well. Aaron said, thank you for sharing God's work in your life. Because of your suffering, I praise God for you that through the wisdom and insight he provides in his word you help communicate so practically and with clarity i'm thankful you have made this teaching and training accessible for those who are seeking it you're doing priceless work with eternal impact i pray that he continues to faithfully guide this ministry to reach those who need it in his perfect ordaining Aaron. Thank you so much, Aaron, for uh, saying that. It is a great encouragement. I build these podcasts and these videos and write these articles in a quiet space. And uh, I'm not talking to anyone at this moment, but I know after we go through post-production that eventually this video will make it out into cyberspace and it will reach thousands of people. And I am super grateful for that. By the way, this is the fall season of the year. This is the main time of the year when uh, believers give to non-Christian nonprofit organizations. And so I, I want you to pray and ask God that he would bring in a few people that would help underwrite our ministry. We're going to continue to give our stuff away, but of course uh, we can't do that without people faithfully supporting us. And so would you pray and ask God to bring some people who are able not everyone's able. There's only a small percentage who can do this. And so we, I, I want you to pray because you can do that. And if you would pray for this ministry and ask God uh, to bring supporters because we can't do anything uh, without the financial underwriting because it is an expensive ministry at this point in our history. We do have one donor who is willing to give a matching campaign or a matching donation of 50000 a matching donation means someone else has to match that. And if they match it, he will give 50. And of course, that doubles. And so would you pray and ask God to bring in two or three or four uh, that would be willing to match his $50,000? And I certainly would appreciate it. All right, so thank you. Let me uh, get into this. Uh, are you characterized as a thankful person? The words thank you encompass what volumes of Christians have written about for 2,000 years. The words thank you express the nearly inexpressible. Sometimes less is more, and thank you sums it up nicely. In fact, there is a story that Luke tells us in his gospel about 10 lepers who needed healing. And they came to the Savior, hoping that he would heal them of a dreaded disease. Jesus responded with love and compassion and practical help. And though sin had decimated them, there's a picture of us there, by the way, sin had decimated us. We call it total depravity in our theological way of communicating such things. But, but Jesus was willing to love his new friends by healing them. He later asked them to go and show themselves to the priest, and if they did, they would experience healing. They believed and went on their way to the priest. 
And sure enough, healing came while they were in the process. The text says it this way. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks for healing him of the decimation that he was overcome with. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, except this Samaritan? That is Luke, uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 15, 16, 17, and 18. When we get to heaven, there will be an uninhibited response to be grateful. We will not be able to contain ourselves when we get to heaven. Now, Luke ties gratitude to a form of praising God. Uh, this Samaritan leper was grateful, and he was praising God. Like hydrogen and oxygen are two components of, of water, Gratefulness for God and praise to God are two inseparable expressions of our worship of God. The Father expects gratitude to be part of our worship. I mean, that is a component part of our overall worship structure. His expectation is not just a, a linear thank you that spills out when you think about what he did for you. I mean, is this true for you? The only time that you thank God is when you think about what he did for you, or is this just a ongoing gratitude? It's just an ongoing ontological reality. Gratitude is the ontological disposition of any Christian. And what I mean by ontological, it is our state of being. It is who we are 24-7, every day of the week, every week of the year. Let me illustrate. If you fill a cup with water and you bump it, some water will spill out of the container. Now, this illustrates what I mean by an ontological disposition for any Christian, gratitude and thanksgiving. It is our state of being. It is who we are. Gratitude is not only in us, but it is who we are. You jiggle a Christian just a little bit, and gratitude spills out of their mouths. Now, this reality I'm talking about here, this ontological reality for the regenerated is something the non-Christian cannot possess, cannot express. Authentic, God-satisfying thanksgiving comes out of Christian hearts. Paul said it this way in Romans 1, talking about the unregenerate. He says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. But for the Christian, we have another story. Paul said this in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1, And you were dead in trespasses and sins. And then we skip a few beats, and he says, But God, being rich in mercy 
because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, this great God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We're not like the people that Paul was writing about in Romans 1 who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They did not honor God or give thanks but you, me, we who were dead in trespasses and sins, made alive in Christ, together with Christ. You cannot withhold gratitude for God because of his great work through the cross. This attitude is the kind of heart disposition the Redeemer expects from those that he has healed. Go back to the Thanksgiving story in Luke 17. Were there not nine, but there is only one that's coming back and praising God, this stranger, foreigner, this, this Samaritan? The first words out of the mouth of the newly born Christian are thank you. Now, maybe you didn't say that verbatim, but as we begin to understand what Christ did for us, bringing us from decimation and depravity unto the wholeness and completeness that we experience in God, some version of gratitude may be, thank you. When God brings a dead man to life, he opens his eyes for the first time and expresses gratitude for what the good Lord did to him. And from the point of regeneration forward, the Christian has the power not only to understand what happened to him, but he can now live a life of grateful response to God's great work in his life. His life becomes characterized by gratitude. Is there anything in your life that has mitigated your appreciation for God and the narrative that he's writing in your life. This question may be challenging for some folks, especially if relationships are complicated at this point or, or they have the accumulative effect of other disappointments that are vying for domination of their souls. As I was saying earlier, that uh, the needle can tilt so easily because we live in real space and cyberspace, and sometimes we imbibe on cyberspace too much, especially those awful headlines. And if we're not careful, we can. it's like falling asleep in a, 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 a small raft at the, the ocean, at the shoreline, and then wake up an hour later and just be a mile or two farther than, than we ever anticipated. And though gratitude and thanksgiving are born out of the empowering grace of God in a person's life, sometimes situational challenges can overcome grace while sucking gratefulness out of our lives. Paul said this in Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let me illustrate. I love sports a lot. Maybe I should restate that. I used to love sports a lot. I am a recovering addict. The late in this at this time in our culture, the ongoing politicization 
of sports has kind of soured me to sports. But I have been an, an addicted sports addict since long before I was ever a teenager. And I would watch any game whenever I could. I typically used to listen to sports podcasts like every day, Monday through Friday. I had a sports ticker used to on my phone to where I could keep up with specific teams so that I would know what the score was. I can follow it along. The ticker actually was a better strategy because I could get the scores without watching the games. My life seems to be so busy and has been for a long time, and to sit down for three hours and watch a ball game is not tenable anymore, and so I love my sports ticker. But one of the everyday observations that I have seen with sports fans is how their team's ups and downs can control their thinking and their emotions. If their team is winning, they are generally positive. We call them fans or short for fanatics. But with some fanatics, when their team is losing, they are noticeably unhappy. And that is an understated way to describe some of the antics of, of sports fans whose teams have lost. Now, I do understand why they respond the way that they do when their teams are up and when, they're, when their teams are down. Sporting events can cause vacillating and visceral responses from the fanatics. The sports fan is motivated and controlled by something outside of their ability to manage. And his responses are consistent with the outcome of his team. Well, in that way, Christians, you and me, assuming that you are a Christian. Now, by the way, if you're not a Christian and you have stumbled upon this video, I'm very thankful that you are here. And if you are like, this is just weird to you and you've made it this far into the podcast or the video and you don't know what this Christianity is all about, and you would like to learn more, go to lifeovercoffee.com and scroll to the bottom into the footer of the website and contact us and say, hey, would you explain to me more about this Christianity thing? I would like to be a Christian fanatic rather than a sports fanatic. But we Christians are similar to sports fans in that the ups and downs of something outside of our ability to manipulate can control us. But there is a stark difference between a oscillating baseball team and Jesus Christ. You see, the difference is that there are never any downs because Christ is always the victor. Jesus Christ consistently provides overcoming grace. The Father is always authoritatively ruling over us. The Spirit is profoundly comforting and empowering us, and the Bible is always guiding us. Paul talked about it this way in Romans. He says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are always up and we're always managed by God, 
by Christ Jesus, by the Father, by the Spirit, guided by the Word. And because we are managed by them, we are always up, and therefore the Christian fanatic is always grateful and always thankful. Christians always have the assured victory. Our team wins. And this kind of confidence, it doesn't negate disappointment. And so this is not some kind of rose-colored glasses, pie-in-the-sky presentation. Gratitude does not displace pain and suffering, but it can be the antidote for our challenges. Gratitude and thanksgiving come to our aid when we are not getting everything that we want. Isn't this one of the most remarkable things about the martyrs throughout church history? I'm not sure if you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs by John Fox. I have. Uh, it is one of the more redundant books that you will ever, ever read. It is a book about Christians being put to death for their faith over and over and over again. And one of the things that strikes you is, as you read that book is the gratitude and the thanksgiving that God's children offered to him even while the enemies of Christ were executing them. It sounds similar to what you would read in Hebrews chapter 11. And that's why it's important that we don't make gratitude and thanksgiving as uh, conditioned on always getting our way. Gratitude and thanksgiving does not displace pain, but because of who our victor is, Christ, always winning, always up, gratitude does become the antidote, especially when we are not getting the things that we want. As you read repeatedly in Fox's Book of Martyrs as one example, Gratitude and thanksgiving, born out of the gospel-centered worldview, is a transforming experience for the Christian and, it, and an affirmation of the power of God. Let me read. Uh, I've chopped this up just a little bit because it's lengthy, but I would encourage you to read Revelation 5. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and I'm going to give you a cut version of verses 5 through 12, talking about this gospel-centered worldview and the transforming experience that we have. And, and it's an affirmation of the power of God in our lives. In Revelation 5, one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you. Then I looked and I heard many saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Revelation 5, verses 5 through 12. A great read, a great time of personal reflection and meditation. 
They looked and they saw the lamb who was slain, the one who had conquered. Expressions of gratitude will be our primary eternal response when we get to the get to heaven. Shouts of Worthy is the Lamb will come from all those gathered around the throne of God as we see and experience Him who died for us. How could it be otherwise? And then some struggling souls in the here and now may respond, We're not in heaven yet. Or, You don't know my story. I understand. Because I have experienced the painful realities of sin and despair and it can be a strong temptation to give up you see i'm really no different from you even though i am not walking in your footsteps i'm walking on the same earth i i I am not in heaven yet i am a sinful man i'm living among other corrupt people in a fallen world And this condition is a triune combination that ensures pain and suffering for all of us. In our lives, gratitude is hard to muster, particularly in seasons of sorrow and grief. Still yet, something else should characterize the Christian that gives us or makes us different from those who have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And though we may be Christians, we don't want to act like them by functionally exchanging the truth of God for a lie and then functionally living as though we were unbelievers in reality when we are not. We should have something that transcends what is happening to our earth-tethered lives. You will have seasons of despair. We all do. But this fact, Seasons of despair should not be the consistent characterization of our lives. God provides persevering grace even when you can't sense it. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is, Paul said in Colossians. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. And so with all these things in mind, let me make a gentle appeal. If Christ has raised you from the dead, He directs you to set your affections on things that are not on this earth. There have been many nights where I prayed to God through bitter tears. There seemed to be no end to the pain and disappointment, but still I prayed. I didn't feel like it, but I prayed, voicing my hurt and hope to the one who gave his all for me. Despair is real, and so is the grace of God. When adversity comes, you must seek to cooperate with the Spirit of God as you try to appropriate His grace to your situation in time, in time. It won't probably be on the hills of your praying, but through consistent praying and even expressions of gratitude where Paul said, in everything give thanks. And in time, gratitude will displace the despair, but it will not come easy. 
It will come to any hurting heart who is looking for the Lord's grace in times of trouble. The non-regenerated person cannot have your options. He has only one reality, one perspective, one life. The Christian has two guiding truths, two possibilities, two worlds, the temporal and the eternal. The Christian is living here but was born a second time for another place. He has another experience the non-regenerated individual cannot perceive, cannot experience. We have an answer. We know the solution. His name is Christ, the only person who could transcend the suffering in our world. Your call, my call as a child of God is to ensure that our hearts is oriented by the gospel of gratitude while seeking to serve others who feel the weight of their despair. Let me ask a few questions here. Would you say your usual disposition is an attitude of gratitude? Close-ended question. It's okay to say no. You want to be honest at this point. This could be that season of despair where it is hard to be grateful, but that's something that you want to acknowledge. Number two, perhaps you, you work in a team environment. Maybe it would be a good question. If, you, if you're not sure, ask your peers how they generally experience you. How do other people experience you? How do you rub off on them? How do you affect them? How are they affected by you? Would they characterize you as a grateful person? They know, by the way. That would be a, that would be a bold question to ask. It is definitely a humble question. How do I rub off on you? Uh, how are you affected by me? Specifically talking about this area of gratitude, would you consider me a grateful person? Number three, during this season right now, maybe ask your friends or your spouse if you're married, if they typically see you as a person of gratitude. If gratitude does not characterize your daily deportment, you, you do have some soul-searching opportunities that are ahead of you. Maybe if you have children, would you lead them in a few excellent conversations about their perception of you? Ask them to share their thoughts specifically regarding your gratitude. These are intrusive questions, and I understand these are not the normal questions that we talk about when we get together because it is too intrusive maybe for many of us. But if you are of the bolder sort, and you really want to get to the heart of this, and you would love any kind of clarification and adjustment you uh, can make, well, then bringing in community to ask some of these heart-soul probing questions would be critical. A grateful person has the correct understanding of the gospel. If I understand this truth, here it is, God, in eternity past, thought about my depraved condition, and constructed a plan to rescue me from death and destruction, that story should have a transformative effect on me. If you are a Christian, you are in this kind of gospel story. And though you may feel you are living in another narrative, that's not the gospel truth. You live in one story, and it is God's story, the one that he is writing for you. God is working his plan of redemption in your life. 
And it would be best if both you and I, if we would regularly reorient our minds to this gospel truth. Christ died for you, and you are safely secure in him. Whatever is assailing you today will not overcome you because our team is always up, because our leader is always the victorer. Therefore, we are more than conquerors. Perhaps I can close with this. Let these five words define and motivate your gratitude. And it's an easy way to remember because you can do it on one hand. And so each finger represents a word. You can touch the finger and say the word, Christ died for my sins. This was the shorthand way that we communicated the gospel to our children when they were very young so that they could remember it. They'd hold out their hand, Christ died for my sins. Let those five words define and motivate your gratitude. I've titled this, Are You Characterized as a Thankful Person? I want to wrap up by asking you six quick questions, and then we'll be done. Question number one, will you work through the questions that I asked you earlier, those bold, intrusive questions? I won't repeat them here. But if you want to get this article, you can grab it freely from our website, Are You Characterized as a Thankful Person? And you can grab all of those questions that I just asked earlier. And my appeal here, would you be willing to work through those questions with a friend? Number two, are you generally amazed by the death and resurrection of Christ? Uh, Because this centerpiece of the gospel uh, is essential to have a grateful heart. And so rather than trying to contrive gratitude and thanksgiving, gratitude and thanksgiving has to be born out of our hearts And we have to inform our hearts with the gospel. And so I'm specifically targeting the death and resurrection of Christ. And the more that we are amazed by the death and resurrection of Christ, the more gratitude and thanksgiving will come up from our hearts. So number two, are you generally amazed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Number three, would you be willing to list a few daily ways that you practically remind yourself of the gospel? Number four, does your gospel-motivated gratitude regularly control you? We're always managed by things that are outside our control. Rather than being the sports fan where we are managed by the ups and downs of our team, we want to be managed by him who is the consistent, constant victor. Does your gospel-motivated gratitude regularly control you? Number five. How often do you generally express gratitude to God? Now, maybe working through those other intrusive, those bolder intrusive questions will help you to answer that question. You, you, you could ask your friends, you know, is, is, again, is this a regular characteristic of me? And then finally, number six, how aware are your family and friends of your gratitude for the gospel? That is the essential question because we do rub off on people. There's no option about, I mean, that is the only option. We rub off on people. And so I think it's important not only as we assess ourselves, but we want to assess the effect that we have on other people. Now, if you'd like more uh, content on thanksgiving and gratitude and even despair and suffering or whatever, uh, whatever other topic that you're thinking of, 
just come to lifeovercoffee.com. Our resources are free. We want you to have them, and we want you to share them. We want you to benefit, and we want you to benefit others by sharing our resources with them. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. Are you characterized as a thankful person? Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.